Hey, it's Eugene Driscoll. Welcome to Naval Gazing the Valley Indie Podcast. Listen, it's about 8.30 in the evening, Tuesday, January 22nd, and I just got back from Twisted Vine, uh, Main Street, Derby, Connecticut, where Mayor Rich Zekin was guest bartending for the Boys and Girls Club of the Lower Naugatuck Valley. Uh, Zekin raised about $460 approximately for the Boys and Girls Club. It was a really cool event, so I did a bunch of interviews, which if you hang on, you'll hear. But before I begin, I just, or before the uh, tape rolls, I just wanted to give some stats from the Boys and Girls Club, because a lot of this I had no idea, which is one of the reasons I love doing these podcasts, because every week I learn. Anyway, 69% of the population served by the Boys and Girls Club of the Lower Naugatuck Valley are ages 12 and younger. They have uh, four sites, two in Shelton, one in Ansonia, one in Seymour. They serve just under 3,000 young people a year. About 470 kids uh, are at the Boys and Girls Club every day. 55% qualify for free or reduced lunch at their school. 65% live in single-parent households. 4% live with someone other than their mother or father. So just those stats alone give you a sense of the good that that organization does in the community. So I was help, I was happy to interview them and to talk about everything Boys and Girls Club. So please give a listen. If you want to find out more about the Boys and Girls Club online, go to www.bg c dash l n v dot org all right on with the podcast this podcast is sponsored by valleygivesback.org what will you be remembered for name a valley nonprofit in your estate plan and create a legacy that tells future generations what matter to you Making a gift that costs nothing during your lifetime is easy and revocable if things change. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the valley forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Your action inspires others to make a difference in their own way. Remember the valley. Ask your accountant, financial planner, or attorney about planned giving options. Plan now. Give later. Impact tomorrow. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. Go. Hey everybody, welcome to Naval Gazing. My name is Eugene Driscoll of ValleyIndy.org. This is a very special Naval Gazing. We're doing it live, like that famous uh, meme. I am at Twisted Vine Restaurant in Main Street on Derby, where Derby Mayor Richard Zekin is the guest bartender to raise money for the Boys and Girls Club of the Lower Naugatuck Valley. Joining me, now this is, this is actually my second, no, third time at Twisted Vine. I went once uh, for Valentine's Day a couple of years back. Then I came down to this part, and there was like a uh, like a bridal party going on. And like you know, beautiful me walks in. It was kind of awkward, but they didn't throw me out. You guys are really good to me. Uh, is the Not owner? Yet. <laughs> right? Yeah, we'll see what happens by the end of the night. And that voice you just heard is the owner, Mike. What's your last name? I didn't ask your last. Oh, uh, my name. last name is Pacone. Mike Pacone, and you're very well known uh, in the valley. Uh, you're the owner here at Twisted Vine, and then you're one of the principals in the original de- or. What's the other restaurant? Uh, we have a restaurant in uh, the old Danny O's on River Road called Hook, Line, and Sinker. Opened up a little about a year ago. Oh, I didn't realize. I didn't realize it had changed names. That's how uh, yep. ignorant I am. Okay, yep. how are things going over uh, there? Doing quite well. And then uh, Twisted Vine here. This is a, a totally unique location. First of all, how did you, uh, or how often do you do sort of charity events like this here well, at Twisted we're, Vine? Well, we're, we're, we're pretty innovative, and we try to be innovative uh, with downtown Derby. Uh, we've been here for 13 years, and I try to do a lot of different special things, one being fundraisers. 
I've done them for St. Joe's Grammar School when it was around a couple years back. Uh, the Boys and Girls Club. I'm actually a Boy of the Year of uh, from 1973 in Bridgeport. Oh no, believe kidding. it or not, Orchid Boys Club back in the day. Wow, you look uh, better than I do. You're in well, good thanks. shape there, Mike. Wow. Go ahead, go ahead. I and, rudely um, interrupted yeah, with a bad at, joke. At the Vine, I, we do everything from a psychic meeting once in a while. We have Matt Frazier visit us. Uh, he does a Messages from Heaven event, and he comes a couple times a year. Every time he comes, it sells out. Uh, we do entertainment on the weekends. Uh, we do a lot of uh, private events with birthday parties, rehearsal dinners, class reunions. We've done a lot of derby class reunions. Uh, through the years. One thing that's totally, I mean, reporters are never supposed to use the word unique, but this is a unique place. I mean, this was yeah, it's an old bank building. Yes. It goes back to what, 1892 1892, or so? yes. It was uh, the Birmingham yep. Bank, right? Birmingham National Bank, that. yes. Okay. Yeah. And so I, 13 years ago, I didn't realize uh, it was that recent, but uh, what made you look at this location? This was obviously then after the bank, it was the old Birmingham by the Moscato family. Yep. For a Leo long Moscato time. opened up as a restaurant who just originally, passed away, unfortunately. Yes, unfortunately. Recently, yeah, just opened up, uh, I believe, it was the late 70s early 80s as the old Birmingham restaurant and then it became a, a restaurant for about a year I think it was called Emilio de Puglio and then it became Tartaglia's okay and uh, Karen Tartaglia ran it with her husband Joe and I knew Joe and we had heard that Karen was selling it and we it all happened by accident and what was you it know, about 13 this, years ago this location I mean right now we're in the basement uh, I guess you would call it a basement. What was this when it was a bank? What was this uh, part of Well, it? this was the downstairs storage area. Right behind us was the coin vault. Okay. And the original bank vault's upstairs. I actually uh, give tours of the building all the time. It's beautiful. Uh, I mean, this because is like... Because when you see the restaurant uh, in the main dining room, that's that's really not the whole building. Uh, the building's quite large. The original, original bank ceiling's up there in the attic. It's it's It takes about 25 minutes to go through the building. Oh, it's no pretty kidding. pretty neat. And then why did you decide to open up Twisted Vine here? And what was the original concept of the restaurant, and has it changed at all over the years? I'm uh, talking like I'm Gordon Ramsay, like yeah, I know the, what I'm the, talking the about. The core is pretty much the same. Because uh, this, this is classic and timeless, right? I mean, yes, yeah. yep, yep. Uh, when Leo first got it, he did a, do a lot of renovation, and some of the components of the building are still original. Uh, we have the original bank vault upstairs, uh, like as, as I mentioned, the coin vault behind me. Uh, and some of the windows are original. It's, it's really okay. a unique spot. Uh, and and so the food's good, too. <laughs> well, that's got to be important. Right? I had the lemon chicken. It was delicious uh, years ago. Uh, but, you know, this Connecticut Post just did an article. I was briefly talking about this before we uh, went live here. And uh, you know, the, the Sherman's Tap House, a, a, a bar restaurant down the road. Down the street, yeah, just closed. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, came and went yeah. in about a year. And then Bar None, that used to be Connie's uh, up the way. Uh, more, more a bar restaurant, but I thought they were primarily bars. Uh, so the Post did this article saying there's almost nothing in downtown uh, Derby. What's the key to surviving here? And, uh, I mean, do you agree that there's almost nothing? I mean, well, we, we, do have a, we do have a pretty good loyal customer. Uh, the we customer get base. Customer yeah. base, loyal customer base. Um, it's really, it's a unique building that adds to the charm of the area. Uh, as I mentioned, the food's really good. And um, we get a lot of support from the local businesses in Derby. We do a lot with the Senior Center. Uh, we do a lot, a lot with Team Next Door. Uh, we, we try to help out as much as we can, and they help us out as well. A real loyal following from our customers from the, the Valley area, Shelton, Seymour, Oxford, Derby. And I've yeah. heard from, from other business owners who've uh, managed to make it a go here that that's really a key is that sort of community involvement component. You, Helps, can't, just, absolutely. you can't just open the doors and, and expect people a- absolutely. to come. Really and I've been to trying be to do there. that more and more, and, and we do get a lot of uh, support from Mayor Zeke, and no, no doubt about it. Uh, and then just totally changing gears here, though, but I'm surprised my electronics, uh, they're working so far. Nothing's tried to swallow my soul in here <laughs> because I saw a New Haven Register article from about, uh, I don't know, 2010 or so or 2012. Haunted, maybe. A- absolutely. Is it abs- all right, so it's a- abs- ab- okay. absolutely. So what's some of the creepy stuff you've seen at Twisted Vine? Uh, well, uh, I, I've been in here a lot of times on my own at night or on the weekends. And I always get the eerie feeling of somebody being with me. And uh, I've heard voices here, uh, doors closing. Uh, We've actually had some entertainment here. And uh, you can actually, you know, just feel the presence. And uh, people have seen things, heard things. We've had some customers leave 
because they, they felt the, the presence. Were they just trying to skip out on a meal, though, no, without paying? No, not, not, not at all. Not at all. Because they just got sort of, so I guess. Not at all. Because I'm never, like, I'm one of those cynical guys. I'm like, I don't believe in anything. But I guess if maybe you're sort of more sensitive to that type of stuff, this is a place to come to. So do you do anything, like, uh, at Halloween with, do well, tours kick up at that time uh, or anything like that? I will put something on our Facebook page. And we have do we do have people. I must have taken 300 people through this building last year. Wow. You know, it's 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 nice to see. It's, it's got great architecture, and it, it does have an eerie feeling about it. And um, uh, I actually one Sunday, I was here for about 20 minutes to get the timesheets or paperwork, and I had my little dog with me, and he whimpered the entire time he was in here. The dog wanted no part. Brought him outside, place. brought him back in again. He started whimpering again. Do the ghosts ever try to cook meals or anything like that? Uh, Can you get some we, cheap labor we, we out of them? We haven't seen anything missing yet. Not at all. And then what, what were some of the results of the paranormal investigators you've had in here over uh, the years? If you had Above if, the Realm, you were if saying? If you go Above the Realm uh, on YouTube, uh, they actually have recordings of what they captured here and actually the old opera house down the street. Oh, no kidding. Uh, absolutely. And so what's some of the stuff? That uh, voices. You can hear people talking. What do they know? say? Because it's like uh, discernible? I, I, I don't recall. It's above the realm. And uh, they, uh, you know, they're just people talking. They can so, pick it up. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for first allowing me to come. I, I mean, I sent you a message Oh, the Facebook. pleasure was ours. You just immediately got back to me, uh, uh, which I, I really appreciate. Uh, and thank you for all you do to the community. Well, thank you so much. And we have a great model. Once you dine at Divine, you'll be back. Nice. Thank you so much. Thanks, sir. It's another quiet, tranquil day in Derby. Oh, no. That chainsaw chuck again. There's no dicker stickers gotta go! There's still room to negotiate! These prices are too high! I don't think it's the prices that are too high. I'll cut him up like a steak I ever liked! He's out the lunch permanently. I've calmed down now. I'll cut till we negotiate the right price. Dworkin Chevrolet, Seymour Avenue, Derby. All right, hey, this is Eugene Driscoll of ValleyIndy.org. We're back with a live sort of navel-gazing, and I'm yelling into the microphone. We're at Twisted Vine on Main Street in Derby. It's a fundraiser for the Boys and Girls Club of the Lower Naugatuck Valley, and I'm here with uh, Shay Roscoe. Ro Shay, what's your title officially at the Boys and Girls Club of the Naugatuck Valley? I am the executive director. Nice. And then I've already forgotten your first name because I'm a Fred. Fred. Hello, Fred. How are you? Welcome. I'm doing well, Gene. Sarah. Sarah. Like Matt Sarah, the UFC fighter. Yes. Do you My have any is. UFC in your background? You look like you no. might have UFC. Boxer, but that's about it. <laughs> you were a boxer. <laughs> Not UFC. Not UFC. Okay. At the Boys and Girls yeah. Club, you were Pass, a boxer. Yeah, I'm a club kid. Nice. Back uh, in and, the 70s, Gene. And you're the president of the board of directors. I am, yeah. For, okay, so hold that microphone a little closer. to you. There you go. Uh, what does the president of the board of directors at the Boys and Girls Club of the Lower Naugatuck Valley do? We've got paparazzi here. <laughs> I'm I popular. Did you just come back from Florida? You look tan no, and healthy. No, no, not for a couple of months. Feeling but, myself uh, getting fatter with you two. Yeah, no, no. So the president of the board oversees the operation. I work closely with Shay, and we have 38 board members. And uh, I rally them together. We work as a team. That's a lot and of board members. And we make decisions, okay. yeah. yeah. And it's a strong board. Dominic Thomas, uh, a, a Derby staple and a Valley staple, also very involved with the Boys and Girls Club. He had just said, can you imagine, he had to run out of here, but can you imagine if the Boys and Girls Club of the Lower Norfolk Valley didn't exist, or Team Inc. didn't exist, or BH Care didn't exist, uh, how much more expensive it would be here uh, or, or be in the valley to live because of all the services provided by all those various groups. So why did you get involved with the Boys and Girls Club? And where are you from originally? And yeah, so I'm from Shelton, and uh, I was a club kid back in the 70s. And quite simply, you know, when uh, schools are closed, our doors are open, and we keep the kids off the streets. I, I owned a company here, built a business, have employees in Shelton in the valley, and it's a great place to uh, to run a business. And I, and uh, businesses that were coming in and wanting to work in a place that has uh, you know, great communities and it's safe and the club has done a great job taking these kids and keeping them busy after school. And then what personal satisfaction do you get out of being the president uh, of the board? Because it seems like it's kind of a thankless job because uh, I mean, we're a nonprofit ourselves, uh, the yes. Valley India, so uh, it's a lot of hard work. Uh, so why do it? Well, it's a great question. I have six kids, and uh, I look at uh, all my success and everything that I've done in building a business, and 
I look back and trying to give back to the community, and I like to see uh, young kids prosper and um, and do well. And uh, I was a kid who grew up with you know, six siblings. We had, we had six of us, and father worked three jobs. And uh, what were the jobs? Home. What were some of the jobs? Well, the dad drafting and engineering. Uh, and we were we were home. We didn't you know didn't have a lot of vacations, but you know we we stuck together as a strong family. And at the end of the day, I went from, you know, being a regular kid to owning a, um, a business, building a, a large company. And if I could do it, others can do it. And I'm happy to be there to provide inspiration to others. And then in terms of uh, working with Shea, uh, you, how long have you now been involved in the Boys and Girls Club here locally? So I've been involved for almost 20 years. I started as an intern and never expected to stay there thinking that I wanted to work in some kind of a department within the city and my first internship I worked at a summer camp and I fell in love with the kids that were there Where was that? that was in the Shelton location yeah so so how's she doing now as the, how long have you been the uh, executive executive director is that the I've been there since 2013 how's she doing fantastic you know it's I, I look at it based on the out, outcome we are uh, noted for one of the top, uh, the top um, clubs in the country, and um, our results prove that we're making a difference. And that's all you need to know. What are the outcomes? And um, everybody really loves Shay and the work that she's doing, and, and uh, I'm very well known in the Valley for the work that she's doing. I'm very proud of her. And then, Shay, in terms of outcomes, what are some of the examples of things that you can sort of hang your hat on uh, at the Boys and Girls Club? So some of the outcomes that we focus on, we have three core areas at the Boys and Girls Club. One is academic success, one is character and leadership, and um, the other one is healthy lifestyles. And what we do in the club is to provide activities and programs that are based around those three core areas um, to help really leverage children who don't come from a whole lot to make them successful in life in some sort of way to help them get you know, achieve a higher education and then hopefully be, build a successful life for themselves. And we do it with our staff and our, our biggest um, heart of the club is our staff. And so we put a lot of training into our staff to make sure that they will be able to mentor and guide the children that, we, that, we, that need us the most to help them become the most successful they can. So the mentorship that goes on, the big brother, big brother, and big sister kind of mentality of, of helping this kid succeed is one of the best things that we can do. 65% um, of our kids and of our membership come from a single family household, which is difficult. So when we get them after school, the first thing we want them to do is do their homework because it's important for them to do their homework but it's important for them to succeed in school and when the parents are picking them up after six or seven or eight o'clock at night it's very difficult to get them home feed them dinner and get their homework done right and i can tell you as a parent of a child who goes to the boys and girls club some of the homework is very difficult <laughs> so yeah so when i get to my my second grader i say this all the time i help him with his math sometimes and i tell him often that you know second grade is as far as i can take him because the common core that sets in in third grade, I'm not used to. I don't have a great understanding of it. But we have mentors that come in and help them achieve those math skills and achieve the, the skills that they need to do that are beyond something that maybe we have done in our past. That's, that's, that's fascinating because I have a third grader and, and, and we're, doing, we're doing his math homework and I'm getting it wrong. And he's like, Daddy, I don't like this. And, and, and I was just thinking, like, all right, I'm going to have to get a tutor. Where do I get a tutor? I can't afford to go get a tutor. I'm a reporter, for God's sakes. But I didn't realize the Boys and Girls Club could actually get involved with things like that. So one of the greatest things is that we're very close with a lot of the Board of Education in the towns that we are in. So for Shelton, for example they require their students to perform 10 hours of community service. A lot of those students will come down to the Boys and Girls Club and provide those hours of community service and we'll match them up with children who are struggling in some of their work. And they'll get that one-on-one -on -one tutoring and support that they need 
parents get what they need because they really need their children to do their homework and then you know the students feel very confident in going into the school the next day knowing that they have accomplished the work that they needed to accomplish and then let me ask you about money right because uh, the boys and girls club is one of the best known entities uh, in the U.S., I'd say. I don't know if people realize anymore it's a nonprofit and it relies on, uh, uh, you know, donations and things like this and community support. It's kind of thought of as just Walmart. It's just something that's there and I don't have to worry about it. But is, and is, is it getting tougher uh, to raise money uh, in, in this like GoFundMe age and we all sort of just give our money or donate to whatever we see on our Facebook feed? Uh, are people forgetting about these traditional bigger organizations that really do a ton uh, in the community, such as the United Way or the Boys and Girls Club. I, I could uh, speak to that. Um, I've run our, our, our largest uh, fundraiser, which is Back a Kid, and I'm running it again this year. And what's happening is with the, uh, the crunch in Connecticut, as everyone's fighting for the same dollar. So you've got a lot of the nonprofits that are hurting. They're looking you know, for more funding. And the problem is, is that um, there are only so many hands that are handing out the money. So every year we have to uh, reinforce our mission. And, um, and honestly, we, we put a game plan together. It starts with our board. 100% uh, of our board participates. We have 100% uh, financial participation from them. I'm very proud of them. Three years in a row. So when we go out to companies or individuals. Now when you say... When you say financial participation uh, for them, just for idiots like me, because a, a, a big part of the board's job is to raise money for the organization. Is that what you're talking about? It okay. is. But it starts with the board putting up their own money. So when I go out to a company and say, can you give me money, um, a lot of them will say, well, what does your board do? And we say 100% of our board members donate money. And we're not talking small amounts of money. It's meaningful contributions. And uh, they do it over and over again, so we're really proud of them. And it all starts, that's the foundation, getting a strong board that's committed to give funds and then going out to the community and saying, you know, look at what we're doing and how we're changing the world. And again, going back to the outcomes, we're showing a positive outcome. We're showing that these kids, are, we're changing lives. And, and it makes it a little bit easier. Nobody likes asking for money. We never do. But we're, we're not. It's, it's for the kids. Is it? Is it, uh, is it tougher now to get in the door with, say, corporations nowadays to actually get to the person that can write a check or, or even on the phone to talk about your organization? We have strong grassroots. Uh, so uh, in the community, uh, there's a lot of businesses and there's a lot of individuals that we all reach out to. So our board is pretty strong and we go out to the people that we know. And if we're trying to get into a particular organization, somebody will know somebody or know somebody. And we get the, um, the interview, we sit down, and what we really do, and, and Shay can talk about this a little bit, um, we do tours. Because once you take the tour, you understand. See, I was a board member years ago, and I was a club kid. I saw it from a club kid perspective a little different. And I became a board member, and I saw it a little different. But it wasn't until I got into the executive roles where I actually saw what went on every single day. And starting getting into all of these different um, parts of the club and looking at financials and looking at uh, donations and looking at uh, other leadership, then you start seeing what happens and then you start meeting these kids one-on-one -on -one and you see the difference and you watch them grow hmm. and what they've become and what they started with and what they become. That changes a person. It changed my life. And then uh, Shay talking specifically about where we're at Twisted Vine uh, in downtown Derby on Main Street, Derby. Uh, and Mayor Zekin is guest bartending and a percentage of his tips and a percentage of meals that people are eating and bills and whatnot are going towards uh, the Boys and Girls Club. How do things like this help? And is there anything you wanted to say uh, about uh, Mayor Zekin and what he's doing here? Right. Thank you. Yeah. So a night like this is tremendous. So it brings a lot of people together, brings the community together, and it brings both the businesses and the nonprofits together as well. So if you can bring some business to a business per se and in you know the community that's a great thing for them we want to keep them thriving and keep them living because the businesses then in return help nonprofits like us so what 
what Mayor Zekin has been doing um, in his term right now has been doing that. He's been connecting nonprofits and businesses to help both of them, bringing both together who can use a little lift, especially during times or during nights that maybe it's not as busy or it's not as fruitful for them. And so I appreciate that he's doing that. And Mayor Zekin and himself has been a huge supporter of the nonprofits in the Valley, not only the Boys and Girls Club, but all of us, and providing some spotlight for us to help others you know, encouraging them to support us in ways that they can. And he and the town of Derby support us tremendously, and it's been incredible for us. Um, and we hope to continue that relationship and keep forging forward to help the businesses that we are here with and the nonprofits that we're working with. Okay. Now, is there anything else that I should be asking? Because, I mean, you know, I'm a reporter, but I don't know the first thing about uh, what you want to stress about the Boys and Girls Club. Anything else you two might want to add? Before I throw it out to this people, I like there's an audience here. This is totally different for me. Usually I'm in my office at, at Main Street. There's no, we don't even have windows. I do. I think I want to thank you. I, I think it's great that you are here with us tonight and, and supporting the Boys and Girls Club and the Twisted Vine because it's an incredible event and we're appreciative to it because everything that anybody does with the Boys and Girls Club helps. And if you can just help one child... Um, you're making a difference in the community. And the three core areas that I explained earlier, um, a few of them we've talked a little bit about education, um, and then there's the healthy lifestyles. But the character and leadership is something that I want to say a little something about, is that we try to create our members um, to grow up to give back into the community themselves. So they have to do community service projects, they have to do Boys and Girls Club service projects to teach them that the importance of giving back. And I think that if we continue to do that and we continue to help our young ones grow into young leaders who give back into the community, we'll continue to have the Valley as what we are. Is I think we are one incredible united community that helps each other. And I want to hope, you know, my hope is that we continue to do that. Hey, this is Eugene, most likely interrupting myself to bring you a word from our sponsor, valleygivesback.org. What will you be remembered for? Name a Valley nonprofit in your estate plan and create a legacy that tells future generations what matter to you. Making a gift that costs nothing during your lifetime is easy and revocable if things change. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Your action inspires others to make a difference in their own way. Remember the Valley. Ask your accountant, financial planner, or attorney about planned giving options. Plan now. Give later. Impact tomorrow. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Say something into yours. Counter something. Say something. Can you One, two, three, four, five. Test, test. All right, yeah, that's good. Test. We good? Yeah, we are good. All right. So, uh, all right, I'm back. This is Eugene Driscoll again. Uh, no one else has taken over, and there's no one uh, there's no one left to take over. But I'm at Twisted Vine, where uh, Derby Mayor Rich Zekin is guest bartending for the Boys and Girls Club of Lower Naugatuck Valley, and we just had uh, Mike, the owner of Twisted Vine, and now we're talking to Drew Backlick, Mayor Zekin's chief of staff. Injured, injured. Yes, I'm on IR with a torn Achilles, but I'm getting better day All by right. day. So uh, you tore your Achilles tendon, and this is not the first time you've torn your. Well, Achilles. I did. This is the first time I've torn the right one. Torn the right one. I tore the left one ten years ago playing basketball. I tore this one at the brand new pickleball facility up in Oxford, which is great fun. All right, let me just ask you a question. Here. What is pickleball? Yeah, what is pickleball? Pickleball is essentially tennis, but with a graphite paddle and a hard gauge plastic ball. It's like ping pong on a court. So we, it's really like a cult following it has in Derby through our gym classes. And uh, when they open this new facility. In, what gym uh, classes? Gym classes, oh, Derby you, High School Gym. Derby High School oh. Gym, once a year you have pickleball comes around. We all get very excited. So this new facility opened Oxford, up at Oxford, and they do pickleball uh, there. And uh, we all wanted to patronize the place, and I went and got hurt. Yeah, what was the exact motion? Can you take us through uh, your pain? Yes, I was playing with my... Because I hear it hurts. Yeah, it does. It's, pain, it's painful. So I was playing uh, pickleball with my, my best friend, Mark Tilke, who's been my best friend for a long time. We both were kind of Valley uh, football players. And... Uh, Back when, you weren't, you're back when I was your... in my Al Bundy days. Okay. And Mark and I both still think we're 16, so he hit a ball that I probably shouldn't have got to, but I'm still quick enough to get to it. Problem is, once I got there, I didn't 
get back from that. I, so you I, were like extending yourself to catch I, I, a fly no, ball? No, or no you're going like, back to hit it with a paddle, which I hit it okay, back over the net. Then I changed direction to come back towards the net, and my Achilles popped. And uh, did you know? When I knew it instantly. Happened? Yeah, I knew instantly. Like, what's it feel like, dude? It, it feels like a rubber band snapping behind your leg. Actually, neck, uh, behind your your leg. I actually thought my partner, who was um, a younger female, stepped on the back of my leg, and then I realized instantly when I looked, and she was about twenty feet away from me, what I had done. Because oh unfortunately wow! I There's did a before. weird pressure there. Yeah, to it's it. just literally a snap, like a, like a rubber band. So then, and then basically you're immobile at that point, right? Immobile. Yeah, I got brought. I, you I can't went, put any weight. I mean, your leg is gone. You can put weight on it. You don't feel a ton of pain. Everything pre-surgery, it's not too bad. It's basically, your leg is dead. You have no feeling to your foot. No, can't send any messages to does your toes. Does it swell up or anything? It, or? it does. It swells up. This might be up a weird. This might be the weirdest uh, podcast. Pod, yeah, beginning, whatever. Yeah, I'm considering what we're about to talk about. Yeah. But uh, yeah, people need to know about Achilles tendon. Um, so yeah, so essentially, it's you can't send any messages to your foot. So I couldn't go up and downstairs. Couldn't propel off of it at all. About a week later, I had surgery. You're in a cast for a couple weeks. And now what's I'm the surgery? They they open up your leg and they uh, put they it open back up your together. leg and they reattach it somehow. I, I I've been told not to Google the procedure because it's disgusting. So I didn't. Um, but I know I'm on the mend and I'm walking with crutches. I soon to be walking with just the boot in a couple of weeks. And before I know it, I'll be back to uh, back to normal. But no more uh, pickleball and yeah. no more football and no more anything. Yeah. What does what does the doctor tell you long term? Is this like an injury that, that can you can uh, uh, re hurt? Is that, is that the well? Word? They say once you tear your Achilles tendon and they do the the uh, surgery, that that sur that tendon is actually stronger than it was pre surgery. Oh. Um, so now you're going pro. This was some weird well, plan in to terms go of pro. A prognosis. I know. Like if you look at Eric Berry from the the Chiefs did this. He was a year out from playing NFL football again. So if I wanted to really get back to full swing, I probably could. But I'm content with playing darts and uh, and some setback. I'm done with I'm done with any hard motion sports. And you've That's also it. got this thing that I've never seen before. It's like your leg is essentially on a cart. You, you put oh your, yeah, your I have leg a wheeled on scooter for City Hall. Yes, is that is that kind of fun? It's or? a lot of fun. I've been I, I scoot around City Hall faster than ever. But it, because if if you know me, I don't sit at my desk very often. So I needed a way to be ambulatory. Yeah, in you're, City you're, Hall. Kind of, you're you're kind of a high energy guy. Yeah, I was going to say bit hyper. hyper some would yeah. say. So I do scoot around and but try not to run anybody over in the process. Now, do you get to keep the scooter or is it go, got to go back to the medical actually, facility? actually, I'm borrowing from our city attorney, ironically enough. He's not an injury attorney, but he happened to have one. He just from, happened to have one of these lying around? Similar What's injury, going on with you Similar guys? injury a couple years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was the last board of alderman meeting. He was there with a pack of ice. I didn't even want to ask he what He had was double hernia on. surgery. So we're like walking wounded in Derby, but our brains still work. That's what did he have? The surgery like right before the alderman's meeting was a tax Two days incentive. before. So I give him a lot the of credit. The tax incentive issue was that important. He showed up. He showed up. With an that. ice pack on his stomach, yeah. All right, well, it's nice to, to shout out. Shout out to Vin Marino for the dedication. Nice to, uh, uh, to hear that you're, you guys are recovering. But, you know, I wanted to ask you about a couple of things. You had mentioned uh, we did a story, and the mayor gave his state of the city address about a week ago. And I think that was the first time a Derby mayor has given a state of the city that I remember, unless I'm missing something, uh, at least it's in the last 10 years. I think right? I, I think Mayor Dugato had done a hundred year hundred days oh, okay, uh, so update, something. but I don't think anybody's done kind of a state of the city the way that we did it. Certainly, we took some heat for doing it during the day, so I appreciate you live streaming it because I know people had access to it that way. But uh, you know, we took some heat because it should be a big political thing and should be in the auditorium and everything else. That I don't here. No, I'm going to complain about something. Sure. I don't like the fact that these meetings are becoming like six o'clock. Something like yeah. how am I supposed to get there at six o'clock? Well, right, seven o'clock. Okay. Well, All right. I mean, for me, unfortunately, the chair up. the chairs of each board determine. Are they are they uh, city officials? Are they uh, city employees? Are no, they municipal no. A lot employees? of them are. A lot of them are volunteers. I start to get angry. I'm like, this is for the municipal yeah. employees. What about the public? What about John no. Q. Public? Exactly. And I agree. But the volunteers but who actually are the public, so some of the aldermen, for instance, elected officials, volunteers, well, but they're yes, you know. but not being paid. Right. But actually, that's nothing. What I wanted to <laughs> ask you about. You had said at the beginning, uh, you had like I introduced uh, the mayor, and you had talked about well, one thing that happens in Derby, and it happens everywhere, of course, is that there's a lot of rumors. You hear like rumors all the time, yeah. and one thing you thought was like, okay, or you and the mayor thought, here, mayor gets up there and talks about. It was almost literally everything that's been. It was, it was four pages punch list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I want to ask you, what is? I mean, without uh, uh, being libelous, or actually, this would be slanderous because it's it's the spoken word. Uh, what's the craziest rumor? that you can share with us that you've encountered over and over again in the first year and however many months well, I think Mayor Zekin's been off. Here, here's a hot button issue right now is the water tank, for instance. So I had we had a task force meeting of all the city uh, department heads, 
and I won't say what department, but Dominic one of the department heads came in and had said that prominent land use attorney Dominic Thomas, Thomas is in the, the house. Famous Dominic Thomas. He's just looking at me. <laughs> He's deciding. <laughs> we won't. Not yet. He's trying we're to decide right, whether or not to rumors. file a lawsuit so, against me. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, probably, probably, it's and it's perfectly queued up because you know you just did a story about the water tank going. Uh, you know, the regional water authority putting a water Coon tank. Hollow Road in Chatfield. Right. Okay. Exactly. So the rumor I heard that came from a, a constituent was. You know, they're thinking about putting this water tank there. Don't they already know that the water pressure is so terrible on the west side? Now they're going to put this water tank there that's going to put a strain on the water. They thought it was going to add They thought it was going to add to the burden, when in reality, exactly what the water tank doesn't do. The water tank is going to help the problem with the water pressure on the west side and in other areas for that matter. Some of that's probably, because I I had said in a previous podcast, and and RWA kind of reached out to me and said, no, dummy. I had said that the water pressure or the water water system in West Derby was, uh, I think I said, unreliable. And I'm like, no, 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 that, that's not the issue. But I got to say, I don't think they did a good job explaining the need over the years. Because right. I was, I went back and I looked through, because I had videotaped those early meetings in 2012, mm-hmm. and they, I don't think they ever clearly defined why they needed it. But if you go to that document they put online, that sort of spells, spells it out. It out. And so we I, were, maybe there was some type well, of... Well, we were an integral part of that. I think the city, we, we kind of understand the need for it through dealing with some... We, we talked directly to our emergency services um, kind of leadership, which would be the police chiefs and the um, the fire marshal, um, the, 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 the police chief, fire marshal, and the fire chiefs. And they said, absolutely. And we have actual evidence of that in in sort of situations that we've been in over the years and the, the problem is that if you're if there's a fire like a major fire right. going on a multi-alarm latex fire. foam is a great example in ansonia okay. they talked about that specifically the night of the public hearing and uh i believe the fire chief in ansonia had said chief I eman remember, chief eman had said i was there that night and, and don't quote me on this but I, i'm you're pretty being sure quoted you're talking I'm, to quoted, a I'm being quoted okay so it was Ask someone dominic you need to run this like dominic <laughs> someone, he said don't quote me don't I'm, quote me but i'm being a, quoted all right so quote me i'm, I'm kind I'm confident Dominic, in saying yeah. that somebody who was there fighting the fire in Ansonia, latex foam, had said that the same night at Griffin Hospital, they were having to wash patients off with bottled water because the pressure was that bad dropped. because they strained the system. Right. Because so. right now, like, the nearest <clears throat> tank is over, like, in, in Woodbridge, I want to say. It's like the backup tank is nowhere in the – it's not in the valley. There's something in Grassy Hill. There's something – there are – that's the funny thing, too, is there's so many tanks around that you don't even you don't realize. Know, or yeah. that You drive by them, you don't even know. So this thing will be an afterthought when it's put in and it's installed with some thought thoughtfulness when it comes to the aesthetics how what are the colors going to be how many trees are around it no one's uh, going to even know it's there they're not so, going to be able to hide it no. come on it's a it's a it's a 52 foot 60 foot wide so we put 60 t- we put 63 foot trees up but and block it here's my question though you there and i think this is ongoing there's sure. there's sort of an interesting uh, uh deal for a lack of a better word happening because the land is deed restricted has to, supposed to stay as it is or be used as a public park uh, according to what I've read, uh, but the city is saying, "Well, we're gonna," or the utility company is basically gonna purchase on our behalf, the city's behalf, some uh, land on the other side of town to make up for the open space right, that's trade, lost. Trade, basically, yeah. Whew, that was that was tough to get out. But I want to know, hey, I live on the west side. You're taking my open space away and giving it to some of these uh, fancy people over so, on the uh, east side. I know you're well aware of Osborndale State Park and how many. No, that doesn't acres count. There's some open space. Although now you can, can see why they didn't give it to Derby. Right. Well, you guys would put we water tanks it. everywhere. Well, listen, here's the funny thing, and 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 uh, give I'm me gonna, a pocket park. I'm gonna tell you this. You have a quote. I have a quote here that a very wise man said to me. Everybody wants to be business friendly and development friendly until it's time to be business friendly and development friendly. Well, this and is different. This is different, but this is this see this serves a purpose. This this addresses a need. Um, do, could it go a hundred different places? Maybe this is the best place. When they looked at a hundred and three different sites or whatever, based on the elevation and all the other factors, um, and we need it. So at the end of the day. I, I, I have to quote my quote my father, who's been in Derby, was born here, uh, graduated in 1963 from Derby High School, born here in 1945, played all over the west side, outdoors constantly. He said no one, as far as I can remember, has ever played or walked through that portion of town right, well, for any reason, for open space nobody purposes. Nobody knew it was there. No, it's, op- it's shale. It's rock. There's nothing to do there other than look at it. So while it's great to look at, if we could utilize it for a purpose, why would we not do so? And I think the problem here in Derby over the last, at least since I've been paying attention, you have the same NIMBY people, maybe there's five of them, that prevent progress. And we listen to these same five people, and we don't want to upset the apple cart, so 
we let these five people dictate what's going to move forward and what's going to not. We, we can't well, do that anymore. That's an interesting point because that's what I sense with the uh, tax incentive mm-hmm. program, which, uh, you know, there you can either something you, you got to, I guess, stick to what your, your plan is. Actually, you just said it better than I did. But I sense some of that because I saw on our Facebook page. Uh, you know, I use the word tax break, which I know government doesn't like. They like to make the language passive tax incentive, but it was it was a tax break. Uh, and I think people just react to that word. Right. Uh, so what's been the fallout or pushback, if any, since granting, <laughs> since the Board of Aldermen uh, voted to grant that tax incentive to uh, AIEP? AIEP. Well, I'll, I'll say this. I, I think the, the key, some of this work, that we've done in terms of cost, and, and I wouldn't even say we, the committees that we appointed to do these things, they did a cost-benefit analysis to say, okay, AIEP, for instance, before their purchase of the property, that property was producing $21,000 a year in property taxes. And I know that was a reduced rate based on the prior user going for an appeal based on the vacancy of the property. Once AIEP Oh, came I didn't in, know that. Well, there you go. Now oh, you know. Okay. So, so if there was an argument that anybody could have made against it, it would have been like, well, right. that was a reduced... A rate that they that were basing it on. A, a, That's fine. A, okay. Because guess what? At the end of the day, they are now giving $79,000 a year. That's a huge boost to the tax base. So if and when they pr- perform this extra $500,000 worth of work, let's just say hypothetically that assessment of that property is going to bring in $90,000 a year of taxes. And that's just you know broad brushstrokes uh, estimate of the number. From twenty-one thousand to ninety thousand, and then we can't give the guy a three-year, fifteen thousand dollars a year break to do the construction that he needs to do. When in the long haul, if he's going to be a neighbor or a partner here, a neighbor here for the next fifty years with Reval and everything else, the amount of money that that place is going to produce for the tax rolls, it's not even an argument to say we should give him forty-seven thousand dollars over the first three years. Of course, we should give him forty-seven. And and you know there were the argument was. We should keep that reserved to downtown. Yeah, we know downtown needs help. Everybody knows that. But we, we can't cherry pick and say, oh, yeah, this area will get a tax break. This area won't. Oh, that's one thing I wanted to, because I didn't point this out in my article, but you can't, like, this isn't just Mayor Zekin uh, snapping his fingers and say, give tax break, give tax break. Not at all. Because uh, there is, the assessor's involved. Right. And it has to pass through. Is there now a... Is that, is, that, is that subcommittee permit? Do they, permit? No, Do they that, always get... Okay, it's just... That goes tax through, incentive They set up the process. The, right, okay. and now it goes through the Board of Aldermen, and they have the final say at the it's end of the day. It's got to be vetted. It's, it's got to be vetted, and at the end okay. of the day, this is all based on the assessed value. So you could put $7 million into a property. If it doesn't add to our assessment, to our grand list, you get nothing. So, you know, unfortunately for some of these big, you know, box stores and things like that that are coming into already box stores... They're not going to change the assessed value of that property enough to even trigger this. This is property was paying 21. Now you're paying 79. That's a triggering number, and you're going to get a percentage off of your taxes. And I think we need to encourage development here. Obviously, we've been stagnant long enough. So what can we do? The first question we have from developers when they come in and from anybody who can offer us any kind of advice, whether it be CT Main Street or DECD or any of these other big you know, statewide people who've been through the development process, they've said, well, what do you have in place for a tax incentive? So Carmen, myself, and-, and Carmen DeCenzo, uh, the- Carmen DeCenzo was the economic developer. economic development liaison. He, that was the first question we were getting from everybody. Well, what are you doing to incentivize people? So when we realized nothing, we decided to do that. I saw one of the comments was, well, Calvert, Safe, and Lock must be upset. They should be upset because maybe previously this should have been contemplated to say, hey, you're taking the old Royale, and you're fixing it up, and you're you're gonna you're, you're get a better use. And, yeah, Maybe there yeah. should have been a break in place. Can't speak to that because we were not here. I can speak to the fact that we recognize a need for that. We formed the committee, and within a couple of months, there's now this tax incentive ordinance in place to give people the opportunity to at least apply for it. Okay, and then the last thing I wanted to ask you about the reason we're here. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're just listening. It's oh, all yeah, good okay. stuff. It's all good stuff. So I thought you were throwing me out. What's your yeah. name again? You want to come here? Wait. Come on for a second. Stella. We've got Stella, Stella. from Twisted Vine. Stella is Stella actually purchased a Valley Indie t-shirt, one of only 50 people wow. to purchase. A va- Andrew didn't buy one. I didn't. I just made a donation quietly, anonymously. It was because when this issue that you're discussing was going on, you guys were covering, you know, the public meetings that were going on. And people in the neighborhood had some valid concerns. I think they were concerned about maybe some noisy teenagers and stuff like that. 
but it was also a little bit funny, you know, people coming in being like, well, what about the water usage? And we're going to have to, you know, kind of coming up with sort of... Oh, she's talking Marshall Lane. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, the dormitory you're yeah. talking about, right? Yeah. Right, that's what you're talking about on Marshall Lane yeah, that, that was turned was, into yes. this for the for the, stu- the high school exchange program. Yeah, they yeah. just, the alderman just granted a three-year $47,000 tax break. So we were talking, because he d- took some heat on the Valley Indy Facebook page, the alderman did, uh, for doing that. Do you live in Derby or Ansonia? Ansonia. I live in Ansonia, actually. But I, how do you you're kind of it's Derby and Sonia it's you know they're kind of the same town a little bit you're always driving through both it's one place that's what I think yes good point how do I feel yeah I how do you think uh, Mayor Cassetti's doing over there I think that he has opened a lot of new businesses and that's um, really nice to see I think that um, situation in Sonia right now is maybe a little bit more polarized than in Derby but <laughs> tell me about it <laughs> I don't know if I really want to go on record as uh, saying too much one side or the other. But yeah, there's, you know, maybe some... um But let me ask you now, uh, as an Ansonia resident, that sort of strife that happens between specifically the Board of Ed and the city of Ansonia City Hall, how does it affect you as a resident, if it does at all? Do Do you think like... Because, uh, I, I mean, I got all ticked off as a Derby resident when the CT Post wrote that there's almost nothing left in downtown. You know, there's that feeling that, hey, I can pick on Derby, but you can't. Right. So how do you feel about uh, some of the strife in Ansonia? I guess I feel like I feel like people are generally really civil. You know, the, the Facebook comments notwithstanding where people kind of, you know, get a little hot-headed. I think it's been generally pretty civil. They hate pizzerias. They what? They hate pizzerias. Oh, yeah. It's basically the lights on Wakely and the pizzas. <laughs> the That's pizzas. the main issue. But, That's good. You know, it does. I do feel like more and more it seems like sort of some of the national political issues start to affect the town, which to me it shouldn't really be that way. And Amen, I think how Stella. people are feeling nationally is sort of affecting how they feel about town stuff that really shouldn't be. You know, um, Stella, do you want a job in Derby? Because that's exactly our philosophy. Yeah, yeah. But, but Andrew, I wanted to laugh. And thank you so much, Stella. Stella, what's your last name? Sorry. What's your last name? I think my first name is fine. <laughs> Stella. Okay. Stella from Twisted Vine. Stella. She doesn't want to give her last name. I like need, it. There's at least one attorney in the room if you need one. <laughs> like uh, Dominic Thomas is right there if you need any advice. Or Dominic, right there. If you, can, if you need. So what we're here tonight is when Mayor Zekin first took office, uh, he said one thing he wanted to do, and that's why he's not on with me. He's working right now. Yeah, he's raising money for the Boys and Girls Club. Why do you do these things? You know, I think there's a lot of goodwill opportunities out there, and you know, to it's it's a shame that everybody wants to politicize everything. But to me, this is like a uh, an opportunity for the mayor to use. Uh, his influence to be able to give back to a nonprofit here in the community, and you know, Boys and Girls Club does a great job. And we we took a meeting with uh, some of the brass from there early on, and, and really to see what they do and the kind of services they provided to the kids here and to the families in the community. It was it, it was just a no brainer here to want to be able to kick something back to them and everybody else that we've done this for for the last year you know the mayor has i think the mayor loves these things i think the mayor if he's shown anything it's that he is out there in the community um boots on the ground kind of stuff and this is the perfect example of this and again we catch some heat because of the medium oh you're serving alcohol there's listen everyone here is a responsible adult they want to contribute to this cause they're certainly not going out for soda pop after work so it you was can buy you, you're all, you, i mean you don't have to buy alcohol you can buy no food. you can come here and have exactly yeah. i just ordered three appetizers for the table you know and uh you know that's all the a portion of that is going to go back towards the Boys and Girls Club. And so. uh, I've mentioned it several times on the podcast, but there was that CT Post article that apparently made me angry, but nobody else. Uh, and then my readers turned on me on Facebook. It happens. I see uh, it. Yeah. yeah, it was sad. It was like, oh, man, I finally lost them after nine years. They turned on me. Because I like to, you know, you like to hold up the big media as the enemy, and yeah. I'm just a little guy, but it doesn't work anymore. Uh, but they had noted that <laughs> Sherman's Tap House closed right. after almost like exactly a year and then bar none uh, up the road on elizabeth street closed so what's the what's the state of the economy in downtown derby mr backley you know i think everybody's relying on on the administration here to create some new foot traffic and that really hinges on development on the south side specifically and we're working hard on that every day and we hope to make that happen uh, unfortunately for uh you know sherman's specifically 
that gentleman who owns it, Sean Sherman, great guy, was a great asset here to, to downtown. Uh, he lives in the northern part of the state. So when the opportunity came to move his business closer to his home, I think that was a factor. I mean, somebody commented actually pretty cleverly on your Facebook. I don't remember exactly who it was, but they said something about all the different factors that go into running a restaurant, running a bar. I think it was Leo Moscato Jr. It, it might very well have been. Uh, certainly he knows about it yeah. for having done that here in Derby. And, you know, there's so many different factors to say that it's all oh, one thing. Um, you know, it's the neighborhood. It's this. It's the lack of development. We, we can't control some of the private businesses you here. Never and, know. And, and no, you, you never, never know. know. But I will say this. You know, Sherman's. Uh, there's there's a interested party there. And in terms of bar non closing, they have there's a liquor per permit pulled already there for a comedy. I mean, they're club. doing work on there. I they're already the, doing the work. So, I mean, is it Gary? Pinella? It is Gary, Gary Petnella, who's a local comedian, a local family. He's posted on his. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but on his Facebook page, right. he, they're doing work in there. He's right. he's, he's renovating yeah. it with others. I don't know. And we'd love to see them succeed. And you know, is it is a comedy club? Is that I believe of? it's a comedy club slash bar slash might, restaurant. They might I offer comedy on certain nights. Or I, I can't speak to exactly what they're. Doing, but okay. the bottom line is, there's no reason to ring the alarm because there was somebody. As soon as one business went out, the other business was willing to come in. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're here when the when the iron is sh when we strike finally, when we get the downtown going, and I know we, people have been hearing this for 50 years, long before I was here, certainly long before the Valley Indy's been here. If we could actually get that done, I mean. It will help all the businesses around here. You know, you want to start talking about the Opera House and some of the other things that have been vacant for a long time. Another oh, hot button issue. Yeah, oh, yeah. But if I we can kind of get all these I was things. thinking about Varka in terms oh. of if Derby kept that, would it just become an Opera House where it just sort of <laughs> sits there forever? Yeah. I mean, in terms of that was not that nothing's been done with the Opera no, House. But that but was that's a thought, Eugene. We don't need another white elephant in this town mm -hmm. that all the taxpayers have to pay for. You know, the Varka, when we did the cost-benefit analysis, again, of Varka, what it was going to cost not only to keep it open, but if we were to own and operate it, particularly when we know we have the new field house coming online. What do you think the holding from. costs of a building like that are? They're oh. substantial. I, all right, let's let's close out on this. I got to ask you one rumor that I heard. Oh yes, I love and rumors. It concerns the uh, the new uh, Payton Field House. Sure. Uh, I had heard that like Derby's talking about like renting it out to semi-pro teams. Or, this is just a random thing I heard on the street. Well, the, I, I will literally say like I was walking my dog. So through the Board of Aldermen, I think they're going to be forming a committee to talk about the maintenance of that building and the uses of that building and uh, the staffing of that building and all things. All that's got to be contemplated. To me, personally, just from having a business mind, Oh, wait, are you talking about you're going to open up one of the what is uh, that? Pickle, pickleball. Oh, yeah, pickleball. Man. We'll do pickleball. It comes back to pickleball. No, I feel like they're, they're, it has to generate some income. It cannot be just something that is an expense to the city. So I, I think I even mentioned, like, maybe we have some of these state tournaments, CIAC. I don't know what they pay to use, uh, you know, the stadium in Waterbury, for instance. Maybe some of those things, based on the, oh, okay. based on how great this facility is going to be. You're not bringing the, the the whalers back. Yeah. No, 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 okay. no pro Just, teams. Okay. But you know, I don't know if there's going to be a men's soccer league that wants to use it on Sundays, who's going to kick in a certain amount of money. Maybe we can break even on some of the expenses gotcha. by okay. utilizing the facilities, uh, and, and not necessarily the field house, but the fields for other local organizations or regional organizations who need a place to to play. Um, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least look at those options. To just use it for Pop Warner and Derby High School, you know, at the end of the day, Derby High School enrollment right now, who knows if we can field the football team in three years, which is why we're looking at some of these regional options with Ansonia. Who knows? Who knows what uh, – Derby High School is about half full right now. So, you know, we're building this great field house, and that's a phenomenal uh, – Phenomenal contribution by by Mrs. Payton in honor of her father, and I think it's a great thing. We want to be able to utilize it to its maximum potential, and, and if we don't offer it to other entities, it may be too hard for us to even sustain it. Mm. So, All right, sir. Well, I took up a lot of your time. That was a lot uh, of my time. I got it back to my appetizers. I know. Away from it. now, it's cold. Uh, and I probably killed Mayor Zekin's uh, <laughs> tips. I apologize. But I want to thank you for coming on and talking to me. Always a pleasure. I, I really do appreciate it. Okay, so today we are headed, well, right now we are headed to Books by the Falls in Derby, Connecticut. And we are going there to pick up a book, The Art of War. One of the books right now that I'm reading is, actually it's in the back seat if you want to grab it, uh, The Way of the Wolf, uh, Jordan <laughs> Belfort. Absolutely superb. I mean, also, this guy has a really dope bookstore. It's not like a Barnes & Noble. Okay, Eugene Driscoll, org, Back at uh, Twisted Vine, 
where Mayor Rich Zekin is guest bartending to raise money for the Boys and Girls Club of the Lower Naugatuck Valley. And my guest is Mayor Rich Zekin. Hello, Mayor Zeke. How you doing, Eugene? I'm Great doing, seeing you, brother. Can I still call you Mayor Zeke? Is that Absolutely. still okay? You can call right. me Zeke, whatever you want to call me, brother. So how's it going tonight? How much? Ex- you ha- Excellent. I mean, we're, we're, we're jamming here. Uh, a lot of people from the city are down here. We got a lot of Boys and Girls Club uh, people down here. Some people off the streets came down, which is great. It's a great organization. Uh, they support a lot for Derby, so I'm so happy I could do something for them. Now, I was asking uh, uh, Drew Back, like your chief of staff, earlier. Uh, there was the article recently in the Connecticut Post that noted Sherman's Tap House closed, unfortunately, after a year, and uh, Bar None. Uh, closed its doors, although it's reopening. I can see the work being done in the window there. But they had said, you know, downtown Derby, uh, down to nothing. What was your reaction to that? Uh, and, and what would you say to people who say, ah, Derby, no, it's no progress. It's, you can't do business there, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know. It, Not it, to turn it negative, but I just thought I'd ask. No, you. absolutely. Not that, no, I, I want to hear this, and I want the people to hear this. It, it, it's coming up. I mean, Derby is moving forward. Uh, bar none, they got a new group coming in there. And uh, I just saw they were uh, fixing it up on the inside, so that's getting started. The owner from the old Shermans came in. They were talking about downtown, what's going on. You know, I, I filled them in on what it, we had a potential to open that place up again. So, uh, you know, the naysayers, they are. But, you know, with Derby's moving forward. And I, in, in my uh, State of the City address, we're moving forward. A lot of stuff people said that we couldn't do. Hey, it took a phone call in a meeting and we're getting stuff done so that's all i got to tell these people and then in, in the last year or so i mean you took office what late december i mean uh, 14 months ago we're 14 about 413 ago. days into my administration and you started you launched these things these guest bartending nights or you appear at a place uh so wh- why do this what what well, do you think i mean you, well, obviously right, you're bringing business in no and, absolutely and, because number one i was like i, I talked to these uh businesses and i was like what's your down day so it was like a monday tuesday so let me come down here Bring in some people that never heard of your places and maybe, you know, never stopped in. And, you know, let's get something going. So they made money that night. We made money for an organization. And, um, you know what? People started showing up. They're like, wow, we never been to these places before. And the first six places I did, we made over 7500 for a local uh Local uh, benefit All array. I mean, yeah. it's like Team Inc. I'm trying to remember some of Team, the other ones you've done. Um, for Derby City Hall. I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to lose. Which is great. Yeah, that I'm you do a lot. Track yeah, there's Tipsy Tomato. You yeah. had one. I remember yeah. that. So uh, Archie. Moore. Now, absolutely. you doing it monthly or? Uh, well, I'm trying to now. And then it's like the last we were going to do this two months ago, but then we had that snowstorm. And, uh, you know, uh, Twisted Vine is a great place. And I, I want to get down here. Mike's a great uh, owner down here. He's good for uh city. And, and it's haunted, Mayor. I don't know if you knew that or not. No, I did. Yeah, this place no, is haunted. So no, hopefully you have a gun on you. I don't know. Nope, but, uh, nope, and, and nope, you can't nope. shoot a ghost anyway. <laughs> I guess. But uh, yeah, he was saying uh, it was haunted. So I mean, last week you had your your first uh, state of the city address, which was I don't remember that ever happening in Derby before, but I may be wrong. Uh, so why did you feel the need uh, to do that? Why did you think a state of a city is something? Uh, well, residents when I was need reading, here? you know, in the charter, it said the mayor has to come up with a state of a city address. I, oh, I'm no pretty kidding. sure it said something in there. And, and you know, I heard a lot of naysayers saying my administration is stagnant, nothing's going on. I go, so I brought my staff in. We sat down. I go, give me 15 minutes and figure out what's going on. But after 45 minutes to an hour, we're like, oh my god, we did a lot. We did do a lot. And a lot of the people in the city wanted to hear this you know but like what are you doing so now we put it out there and now they read it and which is good because now they know we weren't sitting still and it's interesting because you even said i don't know if this was during your state of the city or it might have been on an alderman meeting like the route 34 widening project one thing uh you guys have said you want to get away from is sort of giving a date oh yeah it's going to happen on this date because that's how it's like the mayor killer once you put a date to it, because the state is so nebulous in, in what they're doing. Am I right? Is that is that sort of the, the philosophy? You're, you're abso- almost, like these things are done in little tiny phases. I've you're learned. absolutely right. And it's like these only three buildings are going to be coming down. And that's happening. They pulled the demo permits. They pulled the demo permits. So Alua Tile, a factory street there and the yeah. former uh, uh, religious Alua, place. Yeah, Friendly's okay. Cafe and all that. So those are coming down now. And, you know, we talk to the state and, you know, they give us timelines you know you go by what you can with it but stuff is happening i mean we're not sitting still 
we're having our meetings and we're getting getting things moving forward and i'm so psyched about this i love this city and i just want to keep it moving forward oh yeah you know what i uh, I, I had sort of asked you but uh i mean the time has come are you running for re-election um definitely gonna be announcing really soon that you are running yes so uh, we'll make it official soon what's the worst part of the job what what don't what don't you like about the job there's uh there's not really much I don't like about it. I mean, people are going to talk Talking to reporters? No, I love it. I mean, Eugene, I met you before, and I don't even think we ever had a problem. I'm just like, listen, I like to put the information out there. I want everyone to know what's going on. And for a negative part of it, I, I, I don't see it. Because, I mean, I, my negative part of it is, like, people get upset. But once I get a phone call, and I tell these people, if I don't know what's broken, I cannot fix it. So I love this city. I love Derby. I love the state of Connecticut. I want to move forward. And I just have a great time doing this job. I mean, people are going to say that, oh, my God, I'm frustrated. And I've heard stories on the street. Don't believe it. If you hear something about it, call me, and I'll tell you the truth. One thing I have noticed, I mean, you go to Board of Aldermen meetings now. There used to be, like, a tension you could touch uh, in the air. The whole time, really, I've been uh, covering Derby. There was always somebody at the on the board of Alderman either warring with each other or warring with the mayor, uh, and I guess I think maybe I'm not supposed to give opinions, but a lot of times you see a city or a community uh, get caught up in personal grudges, and it, it goes from being an issue that's debated to a personal fight between somebody because somebody's insulted somebody else's wife, and it comes comes down to that, and it sort of stops progress. I have noticed now I go to a Board of Aldermen meeting, there may be disagreements, but it's not what it was. Is that by design, or is it just like the, the personalities in the room uh, in terms of you guys getting along while still disagreeing? I mean, we will disagree, but my thing is I want the information out to the aldermen prior. So I don't want them to say, you know, oh, my God, I heard X is going to happen. And they'll question one of our directors or, or, you know. So I'm like, call me. And if you hear a rumor on the street, we can put that to sleep. And a couple, and if you notice, they're not really going, talking to our directors or anybody, a superintendent, stuff like, like that. For like 35 minutes. Right. It used to go on. Yeah, yeah. I'll squash that real quick. If you hear a story, something that's going on. No, absolutely. It's not true. All right, and then you're going to see it in your minutes. So, in my main thing, I want my corporate counsel to. I let the Democrats know. Listen, this is what's going on. Here you go. The day before, a couple days before, we want to make sure they have all their information. And as you can see, it makes for an easier minute meeting because if you got a question, you can call me, or if it's that pressing, bring it up at the meeting. I got nothing to hide. Talk about a transparent uh, administration. You see it right now. We have nothing to hide. I want to make things go forward, and I always bring the Democrats involved with what we're planning on doing. And I, I'm glad you, you brought that up because that's what we planned on doing. I, that's what I planned on doing. For hundreds of years, we brought you the news. For the info, we gave you the clues. Owners profits were always sky high Changing market now threatens our lives Post literation, critical reading Dumbed down nation, signs have been breeding TV sucking ideas from our head Public discourse, just about dead We'll ride the dinosaur Yeah, ride the dinosaur our readers are in the opens each day Online clickbait, a brilliant way It's free information, here to stay Not even hookers give it away Advertising, metastasizing Newsroom shrinking Nutrition. We'll ride the dinosaur. We'll ride the dinosaur.
Beaches too. An editorial comment for a buck or two. Fire down the block, the murder next door. And now we wonder what it's all for. Social media coming free to you. Funny pages, the mayor's wages, criminal seats, corruption schemes, ink state wretches asking tough questions. Well, ride the dinosaur. Yeah, ride the dinosaur. The presses are running all through the night. We're printing the truth with all of our might. We're platform agnostics, got that interweb too. Buy an ad, see what we can do. We'd still have subscribers, still have our fans, we're here every day. So give us a chance and we'll make an art stand. Just hold us in your hand, yeah, and we'll ride the dinosaur. Yeah, ride the dinosaur. Dinosaur.